Hey there, Cyber Listeners. Matthew here. Just a quick show note at the beginning of the episode. We get into legislation around artificial intelligence in this episode. It's a really great conversation. I want to note that hours after we got done recording this call, the Federal Communications Commission declared that the use of AI-generated voices in uh, robocalls is a scam and is illegal. Now, the way they did this was pretty interesting because it was not like new laws. It was using old laws to basically confirm that this new technology falls under the auspices of a scam. It was essentially a ruling that, that, that used the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, which is from 1991, to say that, you know, <laughs> generating a fake voice uh, and calling someone and trying to get them to do something is a scam. As we talk about in this episode, this happened because in the, before the New Hampshire primary, voters were getting calls from an AI-generated Biden who was telling them not to vote. So again, this happened literally hours after we got done having this conversation, uh, and that is why it is not mentioned in this episode. The virus. one. The package is being delivered. So we are with uh, Leah and Janice. Can y'all introduce yourselves? Uh, Janice, will you start? Hi, I'm Janice Rose. I am a senior editor at Motherboard, where I cover AI and other topics. I'm Leah Holland. I use their she pronouns, and I'm the campaigns and comms director at Digital Rights Organization Fight for the Future. And can you tell me a little bit about like what Fight for the Future does and, and what y'all are working on? Yeah, so Fight for the Future is a queer women-led national digital rights nonprofit that really focuses on issues of surveillance and privacy and censorship. We like to be the grassroots voice of the users of technology and speak up for their interests when corporations or legislators are are making bad decisions on behalf of the, the masses online. So Janice, you've been talking about doing kind of an AI episode with this specific bent for a while. Um, and then we had a news story that was a pretty great news peg for it. I mean, it's a horrible story, but it's a good news peg for what we're going to be talking about. And I wanted you to kind of run us through that first, just kind of like table setting. Yeah. So I think it was last week, there was this big story about Taylor Swift, um, as a lot of big stories tend to be these days. And essentially, there was this website that started producing deepfake AI nudes of Taylor Swift. And uh, they started, of course, spreading on social media, including on Twitter, which is now called X because Elon Musk is an edgelord, and Facebook and Instagram and other places and Reddit. And um, basically, this was entirely a thing that was entirely predictable to pretty much anyone who has been paying attention to this space. These are AI models that are able to generate images, and they've been getting increasingly sophisticated, increasingly powerful. We've been covering them for quite a while at Motherboard since the days when they released uh, DALI, which is OpenAI's sort of first um, foray into these kinds of like generative AI things. Um, yeah, it kind of um, 
ended up in this kind of big headline way where, you know, here's a famous woman who is essentially being humiliated on a massive, you know, international scale by this technology that is created by large tech corporations that are for the most part completely unregulated from uh, producing these these tools. And this is a thing that usually as you said we've been covering this for a long time. This has been going on for a while years. And it seems to me that the a big part of the news story this time was that it kind of breached containment, right? It went from Discord groups where it's being shared privately which doesn't make it right. I'm just saying that that's kind of where these things kind of percolate in, on 4chan and then made it into more mainstream sources. Do we have any idea like how or why that happened? Like why did this start getting circulated on Twitter all of a sudden? Yeah, well, I mean, there's been a couple of events leading up to this that have been kind of testing the waters in so to speak. And um, like there were a couple of incidents that were, you know, cited in some of this legislation that we're going to talk about that involved for example, people making fake songs uh, that were that essentially uh, used like a large cache of audio of the singing voices of people like Drake and The Weeknd in order to produce new songs that sounded like they were being sung by those artists. And um, that was like one thing that happened. That was, uh, I think, a couple of months ago. And then, you know, there was, of course, that viral George Carlin stand-up routine that was awful, which we we wrote about, where the uh, George Carlin's family is actually suing the the tech podcast, which is like sponsored by an AI company uh, that is completely anonymous, which is really weird and shady. And they won't. Um, the comedians have signed NDAs and won't disclose the exact nature of their relationship or who's behind the AI. Also, fun follow up after the lawsuit dropped, uh, one of the guys copped to writing the whole thing. Uh, yeah, which is really, really fun, which is like another, like put a pin in that. <laughs> it will come back to that. I don't know if that's going to really save you. Like, no, it's just not. By saying, <laughs> by saying, oh yeah, by the way, I wrote it. Ha ha. Just kidding. It wasn't an AI. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's going to really help your case. No, absolutely not. So <laughs> Leah, what did you, I assume you were following the story. What did you make of it? Um, and also what did you make of the calls for legislation afterward because there was quite a bit of them yeah i made of it that something like this was more or less inevitable and that the impacts of ai impersonation or deep fakes or humiliation of 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 women and people from marginalized communities in particular is only going to get uh worse (laughs) as 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 we adjust to the new reality of these tools being so so broadly available uh, and don't really have, if we even have on the internet at all, maybe cultural mores about what we're supposed to, are and aren't supposed to be doing <laughs> with, with, with images and, 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 and what have you. I think that this is, uh, this is something that we are right now in the start of adjusting to both when it comes to, uh, when it comes to three different categories of people that I think are important to think about. The first of which is your Taylor Swift's, the second of which is your abuse survivors, your everyday people who, um, you know, have been victims of revenge porn and what have you. And then the third here also is politicians. Everybody's, everybody's screaming from the rooftops about that uh, Biden deep fake robocall telling people not to vote. And I think that in the election year, we're going to be seeing a lot more play on that. And 
we haven't only seen calls for legislation here. We've seen actual legislation being proposed, several different bills federally that on their surface seem to be trying to do a good thing. But unfortunately, it seems would potentially make the situation worse or make the overall status of artists in particular of the next generation of Taylor Swift's worse than it is today. First of all, can you tell me more about the the Biden deepfake call? Yeah. So uh, in New Hampshire, I think a couple of weeks back during the primary, there was a really interesting uh, operation that was carried out. I think it was first flagged by an election organizer whose phone number was spoofed to call people in New Hampshire and play a recording of what sounded like Joe Biden telling them not to turn out and vote. And the election worker found our election organizer found out that this had happened when people started calling her number back. (laughs) And, uh, and, and that is very obviously a, a a concerning thing when you can take the voice of a politician uh, and, and tell those who support them to do something that they don't want, want, uh, want them to do. And I'll also add, to that simultaneously, we also are now seeing politicians like Donald Trump claiming that photos they don't like that don't make that don't make him look good are generative AI deep fakes and that, that those photos aren't real. So it's just it's a mess is what it is. We're entering into a lovely world where, I mean, not only can you not trust audio video that you see, especially online, but then people can use it as a way to dismiss any information they don't like. I was actually uh, thinking about what is a term for that last phenomenon you just described, because in uh, I know in activist spaces, there's a term called fed jacketing or snitch jacketing, which essentially means when you when people start accusing one another of being secret informants or secret like government agents. And so I feel like in the same way, we're about to because of the fact that the media environment is so completely like chaotic and untrustworthy. And because of AI playing a huge part in that, it feels like we're about to start seeing like AI jacketing or some, some, I I don't know. I was trying to come up with like a better term for it, but like I've been noticing this recently. And also with your um, reporting, Matt, on Pal World, there were people, the Pal World is this, um, (laughs) is this video game that we've been talking about where it's essentially Pokemon, but like it's made by this other company and they kind of sort of kind of look like Pokemon, but they're not. And people hate this game because it's like, like jilting off of, uh, Nintendo's IP. And some people were accusing it of using AI generated assets, but there was no evidence for that. So it's just kind of like another example of people, you know, using this like environment of distrust to like, accusations. The Pal World one is a really low stakes good example because I, re- I remember watching that. It was one account on Twitter accused of the game of, of stealing assets and using generative AI to change them just enough and then provided like screenshots uh, that proved, quote unquote, that this is what it, this is what had happened. And it's one of those things where, like, you hear about it, and then it becomes just kind of part of the conversation around the game. Like, oh, they used AI. Did you know that they used AI? Isn't this terrible? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the company had previously published a game that used generative AI in it. It was like a social deduction game where you're trying to figure out what portrait was created by generative AI. Um, kind of like an Among Us using Mid Journey, basically. 
then the person that had done the original tweet citing the evidence admitted that they just made the whole thing up later and that it was complete bullshit. Um, so yeah, I think AI, AI jacketing is a good term. They were also, they were also just like posting screenshots of like the CEO's tweets saying like, Oh yeah, I think the generative AI is interesting. Like that was all it said. And then we also see, I've seen, because I'm also an author and a huge publishing nerd, we've seen uh, cover authors and, and publishing be accused by the, 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 the cancel mob that exists within, within publishing, rightly sometimes and also wrongly sometimes, of using uh, AI to make book covers, when in reality this is an artist who's worked a very long time to make something extraordinarily beautiful and, uh, and, and that sort of controversy and, and just the sheer mental and emotional weight of that sort of attack. They're really, they're really serious and pretty harmful. Uh, this whole idea that if, if you touch AI at all, then then we should throw you off a cliff. I was following one of those stories last year and didn't get a chance to really report out on it. Um, that was mostly happening in like Facebook groups and it was a, it was a freelance artist who they, people had decided had used AI to generate her covers and I could not, I could not tell, like I couldn't quite decide for my own set to my own satisfaction. Like if she was using generative AI or if she was just a very talented artist, there weren't like a lot, like some of the tells were there. Maybe she'd used it to like do a pass, but it was, it was difficult. It was really hard. And that's ultimately part of why I didn't report on it. Right. Cause I couldn't make a determination either way. And it's, there have been, uh, scandals around the use of generative AI by major publishers in the past few years. Like it does, this stuff does happen. Everyone's getting paranoid. It's terrible. I think that that is symptomatic to a certain extent of the fact that we are grappling with this thing as a culture and how it's going to be and, and how we're going to think about it and how what are the acceptable ways to use it and what are the acceptable. Uh, ways to criticize it, and we're not there yet collectively. And that that growing pain to me, while well, 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 I think very painful for a lot of people, also seems relatively normal in terms of technology. Yeah, we do kind of go through this every time there's a there's a sea change, right? And it's going to take, I think, on the legislative side, unfortunately, probably years to catch up, and we're probably going to do some things that we shouldn't do. Yep. Janice, you were going to say something about paranoia. Oh, just that. Um you know, this, the kind of paranoia is made worse by the fact that, you know, this stuff is actually, actually is happening. Like people are generating, like using generative AI to do all these kind of like deceptive things. And so, you know, it's, it's because of that, that the sort of accusations become effective. Like it wouldn't be effective if we weren't currently living in a time when it was so trivially easy to generate visual propaganda using a system created by large corporations that were built using millions of other images taken without permission. And playing off of that paranoid surface area, one of the most common quote unquote solutions that I see proposed to try to make the internet trustworthy again, or, or, or some, some sort of Don Quixote type task is to uh, to enforce uh, AI labeling regimes across 
every every tool that uses uh, uses generative AI to make uh, images or video or music or what have you. And, and on the surface, that could seem like a good idea, but we have a lot of concerns about the reality that in many places, generative AI tools will be made that don't have those AI labeling regimes. And that it, if we come to trust that what is labeled as AI is AI and what is not labeled as AI is real, that sets the ground for the most sophisticated and most manipulative actors with the highest stakes to be able to fool us. And there's all these secondary cascading effects of, of, of content filtering on platforms and whether or not we're surveilling and collecting data on who's making AI images at the point of creation. And there, there's just, there, there's a lot, a lot there. And I see a lot of folks trying to go down that, that path. And, and I think like, like you said, Matthew, it's really important to think these through all the way, both upstream and the downstream, because even a little move like we should label it could, could have a lot of unintentional effects. What would that even look like? Are you talking about like a watermark? What's been suggested? Yeah, they're, they're talking about visual watermarks. They're talking about... In, in, invisible cryptographic watermarks that then your your Instagram or what have you could could read and then pull a label in the app from that. But the reality of the internet to get around restrictions such as these is 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 well established. I want to go back a little bit and talk about more in depth some of the the legislation that's being proposed proposed. You know, some of it's being proposed at the state level. It's being proposed at a federal level. Um, I think the most well-known one is probably the No Fakes Act. Can you walk us through some of this stuff? And is it good? Is it bad? I think it's. I think that it is coming from the right place with legislators. So the No Fakes Act, I think, is a good one to walk through. There's also the No AI Fraud Act, which is maybe the next evolution of, of No Fakes, or at least proposed more recently. And, and some of the terms in there are a little bit more reasonable. But this approach that both of those acts in particular are taking right now is the idea that they should create a new federal intellectual property right to everyone's likeness. So that's to your face, to your voice, your 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 mannerisms, essentially a right to your body, and uh, it's it's representation uh, in the digital world, and and the idea behind doing that is that if you have a right to that and it's your intellectual property, then you can sue people who use it without your permission. Uh, but but the problem in creating that new right and with this legislation, the first problem that I have with it is that. Uh, it's establishing a new transferable intellectual property right. And I believe that it's incredibly important for us to really question whether we want to let people sell the rights to the representation of their physical body in the digital realm, in video, in music, what have you. And and it's funny because it felt like some sort of twisty groundhog day when the, the deep fakes were of Taylor Swift, because I had just been walking through the, like the impact of the, the no AI fraud act in particular in the context of Taylor Swift's own experience as an artist where early on 
she signed away the rights, the intellectual property rights to her master recordings, uh, which were ultimately acquired by this guy, Scooter Braun, who she doesn't like very much for reasons that you can Google. And, and, and to think about if at that time, uh, there had also been a right to Taylor's face or a right to the sound of her voice. And the incentive of major content companies or, or the rich men of Hollywood to get as many rights as they can so that they can exploit them maximally uh, would have probably meant that that contract that she signed at that time would have included her face and her voice and that Scooter Braun could potentially own those two today. Uh, and that that is incredibly concerning. And, and that to me is is the fundamental no holds barred. This law is ridiculous and we need to kill it dead fact uh because what it what it does is it sets up all these artists that it's trying to protect instead to be exploited without their consent uh by ai so long as that ai is being wielded by the person who has acquired the rights to their body and also wouldn't that mean like you would have to register yourself in a government database of some kind before you were able to pursue like a criminal case against someone that's making revenge porn of you you know, I don't think that I think that because it's an intellectual property, right, that it actually would be something that you have automatically. But you are correct there that the right is the right to sue. It's not the right to have the AI porn of you removed from the Internet. It's not a takedown. It's the right to get into a legal battle with various entities, some of them who maybe deserve it more than others under this bill, uh, and, and engage in protracted legal shenanigans with your army of lawyers, which is much more accessible to a politician or a celebrity than to an average human being. How do you think we should legislatively handle this? I don't have all the answers here, for sure. because This is incredibly complicated, but one of the places to start is with the existing laws that a bunch of these people who've been affected that we're already talking about are already suing under. Most states have a right of publicity law that allows them to sue, uh, that allows you know celebrities or public figures to sue if people misuse their images in some sort of manner that is commercial or could be construed as commercial. And then at the same time, we have uh, defamation law, which can often be a way to for average people to sue those who humiliate them, and while well, it protects celebrities less, so. So between those two, depending on where you live, and, and in the majority of, of states, there's there's some good stuff there. There's some good mechanisms, at least in terms of if, if you want to get a lawyer and if you want to sue uh, the person who's causing you misery. But still, that doesn't actually give victims <laughs> of, uh, of these deep fakes a real-time way to say, hey, we... we get this get this disgusting porn of me off the internet this is humiliating me and it's spreading everywhere and um and while it pains me because i know how extensively something like the digital millennium copyright act has been abused these sort of notice and takedown systems i'm talking to a lot of people and none of us really see an, an another way to make something that is um that is actually responsive to the harms that people are going to be experiencing. But what we can get right this time, and I think, you know, with, with Donald Trump right now claiming that actual photos of him are deepfakes is, is that unlike the DNCA, we could build a system where there are actual consequences if you abuse it 
if you say that's an embarrassing video of you or a video of police misconduct or what have you is a deep fake and it, and it actually isn't. So that's where I'd start. Oh, that's interesting. What do you, I didn't even think about the possibility of a public person uh, getting into trouble for lying about a real image being a deep fake. Oh yeah, that's coming. <laughs> what has anyone proposed legislation or you, or is this just like conversations? Uh, this is conversations because we, I, I think that a lot of the people who are looking at uh, no fakes or no AI fraud or what have you and, and, and saying that, these are these are terrible laws with an, an unintended, extremely harmful consequences are also really feeling for the reality that people are going to face with these technologies and that and knowing that we need to do something. And, and happily, we're, we're, we're having much more of a proactive conversation here amongst ourselves about what we do want than than I think we have maybe with previous online revolutions. That was one of the things that struck me when initially I wrote about the the no fakes. And then there was another law in Tennessee that I think was proposed the same day, which is that, you know, and this is like what I wrote about in the article I wrote a couple of weeks ago, which is like, it just, it seems like the gist of these laws is sort of intended to protect celebrities and maybe the rest of us too, kind of, sort of. Um, and that's kind of like where, where I came at this from, which is like the fact that like, you know, a lot of people have been talking about this as a concern for a while, but now that Taylor Swift is mad, now that like The Weeknd and uh, Drake are mad about this, and it's not just, you know, it's not just um like photos, it's also like music and, you know, voice rights, music, and then all other kinds of stuff that could be considered, you know, intellectual property or, per- you know, personalized sort of like intimate representations of someone's person. It seems to me like that's where this always starts and ends when we get quote unquote privacy protections or something that is supposed to, at least in theory, be like protecting privacy is that it's generally winds up protecting famous and rich people and not doesn't do a whole lot for regular people who are facing abuse and harassment and, you know, sexual violence and, you know, the copyright system, as you, you were just mentioning, like the copyright system, you're saying like, oh, you know, we keep looking at this, like we don't see any other way of enforcing that. So like what what would be different about this compared to like, you know, the fact that, you know, when people, when artists, for example, have people profiting from their art that they release, like music or otherwise, you know, there is a motive redress, but it's not very accessible uh, unless you have a lot of money to lit- litigate it. So what's the fix here when it comes to this stuff? If in the past, this has been kind of the status quo. That's a great question, uh, because we are really swimming upstream against the headline grabbers here. If, if, if something horrible is being done to Taylor Swift and, you, you know, by God, Josh Hawley can trot out there with a bill and, 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 and wave it in the air and it's going to get covered, you know, all over creation. The motive, the motive there is, is really clear and straightforward. Politicians like laws that grab headlines. They like flashy partnerships with celebrities, and uh, and and I would also say that the the, the lobby of those uh, IP rights holders, the major labels and, and and publishers and content companies and what have you, is extremely powerful and really well organized. And from the moment that this all blew up, they've been in legislative offices, you know, gu- gunning for a bill that's going to benefit you know the Universal Music Groups <laughs> of the world. And yeah, and that's why. 
for myself, I turn toward, and I think that there are also legislators who who are thinking in in this way, better tools for every everyday people. Because I don't think that there's going to be an effective way to uh, censor, or we can't put we can't put the rabbit back in the hat with with AI. What what we need is proactive tools to to address it in a way that is you know minimally invasive when it comes to you know surveillance and and censoring speech and slapping upload filters across the whole internet isn't isn't the right thing either i I would look at something like well we've got google reverse image search and we know that that works pretty good and we've got you know the 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 dmca and and that you know there's an established protocol for that and we've got this idea that and we've learned a lot since since that that legislation went in and and so can we can we slap something together that doesn't reinvent the wheel and just gives people the right to say, Hey, this is a horrific photo of a horrific fake photo of me. Please scrub it off the internet. Um, and they can make that request in a way that, uh, the platforms have to be accountable to. Cause I think that's the other thing. It's really hard to be heard as an individual when platforms are dealing with so many users. About that point on platforms being accountable. This is kind of like something I say a lot. And when I'm talking about, this topic is that like, we're kind of addressing a symptom of a problem here and not the actual problem. And the problem is that we have all these giant tech companies that are producing this technology and they basically have no regulation and they're kind of just doing whatever they want. And that's, you know, there's even like these like lobby groups, like Elon Musk has like this like AI Institute that's like essentially saying, you must let us develop AI. And if you don't, then you're killing people. Um, people will die. Um, and so, you know, that, that that's kind of like what I always frame this around is like, we're dealing with a symptom and not the like actual problem, which is that like, you know, and even the way in which these tech companies address this problem sometimes is very much like band-aid oriented. Like I was writing an article a couple weeks ago about the the filter the filtering system on some of these things, like like on um OpenAI, like has been constantly needing to patch chat GPT and um like Dolly and all these like image generators because people keep finding ways to like get past the like content filter system that like prevents them from generating certain types of images through all these kind of tricky ways. And it's just this cat and mouse game. And, you know, when it comes to some of these, I was reading this paper and when it comes to some of these systems, what they're actually doing is that they're just, they're, they're still generating the content and then they're just not showing it. So it's not even that they're like preventing the content from being created in the first place. They're just filtering it out. Like they're just saying, you know, the, the, the equivalent of like, I can't do that, Dave is what is what the policy is right now is what the sort of mitigation policy is for a lot of these things. But really it's off camera sketching that image you asked for and just storing it in a digital warehouse somewhere and all the forbidden images you'll never be able to see. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, it's like, even if nobody sees that image, that's indicative of a larger problem, which is that like, we don't actually know how to stop that from happening because the training 
has already occurred. These systems are already built on top of billions of images that were taken without permission. And, you know, some of them, we wrote another story about this a, re- uh, a couple weeks ago, um, LAION, which is a probably one of the most commonly used image databases used in generative AI. It contains billions of images that are taken from web scraping. And um, it was found that I think about 3,000 uh, instances of CSAM, of child exploitation, were found in the state in this um, this massive database. And it's like, you know, that's kind of the... That's kind of an example of what we're dealing with here. It's like the the sort of like base problem has already occurred. We're we're just getting the results of it now. And you can filter the results, but that doesn't ultimately like solve the fact that like where this all came from. All right, cyber listeners want to pause there for a break. We'll be right back after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, cyber listeners, welcome back. We are back on talking about legislation and artificial intelligence. On CSAM, I noted that several of the the local legislation was pretty narrow. Uh, I think Ohio specifically is just about minors, and I don't I don't know why they like zeroed in on on that specific thing and didn't do something for adults. But the proposed like Ohio draft legislation would narrowly target uh, sexual, like basically deep fakes made of people under the age of 18. Um, And I thought that that was an interesting carve out, no protection for anyone above the age of 18. Legislators do often find it easier to pass bills that are about saving the children. That's a, that's a common technique that, uh, that we've experienced across the range of the issue areas that, that, that we work on. At the same time, I haven't reviewed that bill specifically and what what its enforcement mechanisms are, but I I do think that narrowly targeted legislation that is focusing on specific harms is is not a terrible direction to go generally. You just have to make sure that uh, you aren't burning down the whole internet or important resources for marginalized communities or, or, or online speech or what have you. Uh, and 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 pursuit of, of of those protections. And it, I feel like we're going to. I feel like it's it. It may not be Taylor. Maybe not be Taylor Swift, but something is going to happen to somebody that has power that they are not going to like. Um, and then there will be a, a law that oversteps. It feels like what is going to happen in the next few years. Right? More or am I completely out of bounds? Oh, I, I'm I've been waiting for that ever since this whole hello blue about <laughs> I started up a, over a year ago now. Uh absolutely we're gonna see something 
massively impactful to to somebody i mean who's more powerful than taylor swift i don't really know um but 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 happening happening to a legislator or with a compelling impact on 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 democracy or what have you and and that may force us to confront faster than we're ready what we need to do to um to, to mitigate these harms and i think that these you know early legislative drafts and and the criticisms of them and what have you are uh getting civil society and and forcing legislators into conversations where we're where we are talking about how not to throw the baby out with the bathwater and that part of the reason that we are where we are today with the the mass image scraping and the biometric databases and the you know just being able to log in on a some data broker website and uh i was i'm thinking of a case where a a, a family was uh, almost tricked into sending bail money for their son after somebody got all of the phone, phone numbers for the family and impersonated the son's voice and this, that, and the other thing. A lot of the vulnerabilities that we're facing here is just because we don't have data privacy, and at least in, in the U.S. in any sort of substantial way. We really haven't grappled with one of the worst and most extreme harms of the era of the Internet that you know some say that we're we're, we're leaving. And and I would say, too, that coming into the election, thinking about if the Cambridge Analytica, but with this technology and the ability to analyze and iterate at scale is, is, is extremely concerning. And again, that goes back to privacy and that we don't have it and that, that data is just laying there to be exploited. Yeah, that's a good point that we've kind of are, we've moved on to like a new phase of the Internet having not solved any of the problems of the previous phase of the internet. And now we have, you know, and I always, I keep saying that like the sort of deep fake phenomenon is going to be like the death of not, well, not the literal death, but it's going to be the end of like boomers, like, like falling, finding like Taylor Swift videos, like saying here, click here for this cook for a free cookware set, which actually happened. Um, That was another story we did a couple of weeks ago about, um, somebody deep faking Taylor Swift's voice and like getting people to like click on a link for, you know, cookware set that, that wasn't being offered and didn't exist. And it was like, you know, it's so trivially easy. That's the, that's like the sort of industrial scale that comes into play when, um, which is all built off of the fact that we didn't really address a ton of these issues before they became like able to be automated. Oh, I would say that it's the death knell for, for millennials too. Oh yeah, for sure. I think the 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 millennials are the ones being targeted by Taylor Swift. The boomers are all getting phone calls. <laughs> That's true. Um, so this is just like this is the advanced robocall for the people that grew up online. And I wonder, I wonder how much of all of this will burn down to avoid getting hurt. And that's one of my big concerns. So. But I also don't. But also, I don't know. I don't know what you do. <laughs> I just. I simply don't. Well, I, I would say that there are a fair amount of parallels. Or I remember back in high school, whether or not you're allowed to cite Wikipedia, and whether you can trust the internet, whether you can trust what you read on the internet, and and that sort of me- media literacy, and and the the existential dread of a website that you can change instead of a newspaper that you can't, was really 
present in that time. And this, to an extent, feels like that, although we're talking about much more convincing mediums to our little animal brains that have not evolved for any of this. And, uh, and, and so while I'm not sitting in the most optimistic place here, I also don't feel that it's completely foreign territory. And that to me, at least is encouraging. It's a fair point. Like we've been through big, frightening changes, like about the way the information sphere works before. And though to Janice's point, we may have not solved some of the previous issues we are surviving (laughs) and still, and still using the internet. How and why and how the ways we use the internet, I think, will definitely change. And that's my transition into talking about uh, the, the the kind of the back half of the conversation today, just kind of how we started talking about this offline, Janice, which is that the AI thing is interesting because it's in a boom cycle right now uh, that I think looks very different to you and I because we're journalists and we have our inboxes are very strange. It looks a lot on the surface like what Web3 and crypto looked like a year ago, right? Could you tell me about your thoughts on how AI has become the new Web3? Oh, for sure. I mean, I guess the best way of phrasing this is like I invite, well, okay, I don't invite other people to look in my inbox, but like if I were to give you a sampling of my email inbox on a weekly basis, you would see countless pitches, some of the worst pitches that I've ever seen in my life from all these companies that didn't exist six months ago. And oftentimes, and I've been meaning to do a more sort of like in-depth investigation about this and maybe even write about it. A lot of the times I will look up these companies that didn't exist six months ago, and I will find that their founders are the same people who uh, did crypto startups and Web3 startups like a year ago. And, you know, this is kind of driving home for me, the fact that we are in this kind of looping hype cycle when it comes to tech and when it comes to the sort of like economics and like uh, the phase of capitalism that we're in where there's really no new ideas. Everyone is just kind of like tweaking the ideas a little bit each time and trying to sell their their new grift. And, you know, AI is the new grift. There, there is a difference I should m- mention. Like, I think that unlike like NFTs, for example, there's an actual use case in a lot of cases for AI to automate things. I think that like the allure of automation is pretty undeniable. And I think that especially when it comes to companies that are looking for ways to, to, you know, cut costs and do like the, the, the sort of siren call of that is just completely unable to be resisted. And beyond that, there are actual use cases in which AI can be, I think, used to like help people. Um, however, you know, it has all of these problems that we've been talking about up to now. And in a lot of ways, the sort of like cycle that we've gotten into where it seems like it's becoming faster. Like Mark Zuckerberg was pitching everybody on the metaverse like a like a year ago. Was it that recently? And already divesting from that. And it's, you know, it's kind of like a weird death spiral type vibe right now um, in tech. Yeah, he's got to shed what 22% of his workforce to get to get returns back up. 
on the company, which worked, you know, short term actions produce lovely short term results. Yeah. Everybody's in short term right now. That's the thing. Everybody is like, it's just, what's the, what's the latest buzzword soup that we can sell people on? I think everyone's in short term most of the time, right? It's kind of the way the business operates. It's what it feels like to me anyway. The way business operates. Yeah. I, I, I recall the moment when I was reading the crypto VC is moving to AI, uh, article in business insider who knows what it was but um and and my first reaction was just oh here here we go here we go here come the the new ai thought leadership human rights whatever human artistry campaign but it's the riaa and and these sorts of um like new organizations that are being being stood up often by you know like VC capital or, or or established entities or what have you to sort of astroturf on the work that uh, that, that that activists have been doing for for years. It was from from our perspective, it was really profound uh, over the past year to see how erased so much of the like decades of work of folks at the Algorithmic Justice Justice League of like our work on facial recognition. Uh, was from the larger conversation and that the, the gut instinct there was 110% to build something new um, rather than to go to the analysis and advocacy that had been happening for uh, years upon, <laughs> upon, upon years in, in, in this space and actually had a lot of good, good, good frames and good starting points for ways to, ways to think about this and, and, and in a rights forward way that would, that would actually help AI be that force for good instead of just another tool of dystopia. This kind of Silicon Valley's attitude all over, right? It's trapped in this eternal present moment with no sense of the history that it's attempting to disrupt, quote unquote, right? It has, it doesn't understand that whatever, a lot of the products and services it's trying to offer are already being offered in a, in a, a way that the marketplace deems efficient, <laughs> and that, you know, if you try to release X, Y, or Z product, you're just going to end up where the market is now, but in 30 years time and after hurting a lot of people and maybe not making nearly as much money as you thought you would. And then they are, it's like, it's capitalism again. They're, they're incentivized to do that. That is, that is how they are supposed to operate legally out of obligation to their shareholders, which is, which hurts, you know? <laughs> I just saw somebody, uh, a good example of what we're talking about. I just saw somebody screenshot a tweet of someone complaining because Revel, um, the like startup that has, I don't know if they have this where you are, Leah, but it's like the sort of like mopeds that you can rent with an app and drive around. Revel is apparently closing in New York City. So they're not going to, they're, they're done. Um, and somebody was complaining about this saying, great, now that Revel, isn't around. There's no way to get between North and South Brooklyn without paying $65. And someone was just like, well, how about these alternatives that you can definitely get you between North and South Brooklyn for less than $65. And it's like the B34 bus and the G train. (laughs) So it's like, you know, that that's just kind of like, you know, reinventing reinventing the wheel and calling it a, a tech startup is kind of like the the thing. Also, I was looking through my deleted 
email inbox, (laughs) just to give some examples of like the type of garbage that I'm getting. Um, One of these things says, AI girlfriends are on the rise. Could they make men behave better? Much to think about. Absolutely not. They won't. It's like the the general sense of this is like, have you done any thought about what this problem is and that you're trying to address? Like, why does it exist? And that goes back to the age old whole technology will save us thing. Like we don't have to address human problems because we can just make an app, which is one of my long term fist shakes in, in, in the space. Yeah. It's, it's just so apparent that even a lot of the stuff that we're talking about with with AI and what have you, like at the core of that is, is like economic anxiety is lack of education is social ills. And we don't want to touch that. So your, your inbox looks, it's full of AI girlfriends, Janice. Oh yeah, for sure. I think it's really responding to the fact that, yeah, that people are, people are very anxious about the economy for good reasons. And it's because there's kind of like the money is kind of gone, right? It's like, People are losing jobs. Um, Entire industries are kind of like, you know, dying out. You know, it's very tempting to basically say, hey, we found a way to fix this complicated social problem with an app. And like, you know, I kind of almost understand why a lot of people are able to accept that. It's sort of in the same vein as the, you know, the sort of mega church uh, preacher saying like, I have this thing this one way it's kind of you know and that's like we've talked about silicon valley as kind of like this new kind of almost religious institution and it kind of resembles that in a lot of ways it's offering people very simplistic solutions to complicated problems that most people don't have time to like fully think about or analyze and people are drawn to that because they still want to have hope you know, that's, that's, that's fair. That's understandable, even if it's false. And even if, you know, ultimately the reality is that we've just got much, much bigger work to do than AI girlfriends. Yeah. Your girlfriends are going to distract us from the, the work we have to do. I think that's a lovely place to close out the conversation unless Janice or Lee have something else. No, I'm good. I'm going to go listen to a bunch of copyright lawyers talk about, uh, talk about all this next. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on to cyber and walking us through this. Uh, It's been such a pleasure. It's really been a good conversation and um, yeah, happy to come back anytime.
traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.